Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Wednesday. It's April 26th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. No Extra Point this week on Friday though. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp though will be able to recap the NFL Draft round number one with you uh, Friday at 9 a.m. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll do so starting on the hardwood with the Suns and the Clippers. The KDOS1060.com poll question, were you impressed with the Suns' five-game series win over the shorthanded Clippers? Yes remains out in front, 63% of the vote, no trailing at 37%. Yeah, plenty of debate uh, this, you know, not just last night, but you know, after uh, game four. Uh, on ESPN and also NBA TV, uh, are the Suns playing well? And that was a question we uh, we posed earlier in the week. Uh, so I guess it's kind of an ex- kind of an extension of that question in a way. But uh, you know, it's certainly uh, you know, I think you made the best point of the of the week here. In fact, uh, mentioning that you know from you know quarter to quarter, or I forgot how exactly how you phrased it. It was played well, well in done, spurts. Though. There we go. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think they really played particularly well from, you know, start to finish in any of the five games. But, uh, you know, they had uh, you know, 50 points in one quarter is pretty good. <laughs> they did that last night. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's pretty darn good. Uh, we'll answer this question in its totality around 1130 today. Still time for you to cash your vote as well. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. When should running back be addressed by the Cardinals in the draft? First round, second day, third day. Second day leads the way 55.6% of the vote. Third day, 44.4%. And first round, uh, getting no love at all with zero percent of the vote yeah uh once again uh yeah espn brought up the possibility that they could trade down and uh you know Bijan robinson from south point high school in tucson uh might be a possibility but also it appears that most folks maybe i shouldn't say most because i've looked at like no mock drafts uh you know the one that you had you know peter king the other day i remember that one but you know, it seems like a lot of people, you know, the experts, uh, at least on ESPN and NFL Network and also the Athletic uh, podcast, they seem to think that B.J. Robinson, if he's there at 10, he's going to the Eagles. We'll answer this question around 1130. I have one mock draft that I wanted to get with you here about before we get into some other sports and other topics. Uh, It was Charles Davis's mock draft. And the reason that this caught my attention is because he's the first person that I've seen have him, this particular player, in number three slot with the Cardinals, Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle, Ohio State. 
And then today, this morning, I saw the odds, and I understand when Howard Balzer had joined us in the previous hour, if you missed that conversation podcast over at KDOS1060.com, that sometimes you can't look at the odds as this being the end-all, be-all. It can be dependent upon who's betting and and how much money and handles coming in. But Paris Johnson moved into being the odds-on favorite to uh, be selected at number three. I don't get this at all because it sure seems like uh, you know you could trade down and get him in another slot. Um, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, you know, the Colts. I don't think are going to take him at four, right? Uh, you know, you know, maybe five. Um, but yeah, he seems to be like a you know eight, nine, ten area uh, from what I've heard. And uh, I'm also I'm an Ohio State fan for better or for worse, and. He had a nice career at Ohio State. He also got moved around a lot in the defense, excuse me, the offensive line. I'm not 100% sure if he's going to be a left tackle his entire NFL career. I think he's going to start at left tackle, but uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he were moved to right tackle. And he even played some guard at Ohio State too early in his career. So I guess I don't know if that's a versatility thing, uh, but I you know there were some you know, games the last two years when he uh, didn't do the best job of pass blocking. Uh, the other thing that caught my attention here that's picking up a little bit of steam also is uh, the Falcons passing on B. John Robinson. He was uh, in that slot for Peter King and the Falcons, uh, Peter King's mock draft with the Falcons. But this now has the Eagles taking B. John Robinson running back. And I've seen that in a couple of different places now. thought that was interesting. Yeah, as I, yeah, as I mentioned, just based on what I've heard this week from ESPN, The Athletic, uh, podcast and also NFL Network, it seems to be almost a slam dunk uh, that uh, B. John Robinson, if available, will go to the Eagles at number 10. He's only made, I saw him on, by the way, he's a very impressive person. Uh, he's like, a, you, know, inc- you know, seemingly impeccable as far as a citizen goes and so forth. And I heard him talk, he was making the rounds yesterday. I forgot who he was pump, you know, pumping a product. I forgot who for. But so I saw him actually two different places, actually three different places yesterday, two shows on the NFL Network and uh, NFL Live. He was also on there on ESPN last yeah, yesterday. Uh, but you know he's only made like two or three visits this entire time, and he's pretty much canceled everything else. So I think he's got a pretty good idea of where he's going to go, and that kind of leads to the number ten selection with the uh, with Philadelphia. If he's still there, it's uh, kind of hard to imagine. It's certainly a good fit positionally. Him and Rob, yeah, you know, Robinson and you know, and Jalen Hurts, whoo, that would be a tough uh, duo to defend, in my opinion. Robinson is a really good all-around player. He's a tremendous receiver. He's a really good pass blocker. Actually, reminds me a lot of uh, you know Zeke Elliott when Elliott came out of Ohio State. He was also at the time he, as soon as he entered the NFL, he knew how to pass block. Uh, he caught the, he caught the ball. Still does that. And he's you know, really just an all-around player. Just not just a guy that runs. You know, has like it's not like a you know a, a, a game-breaking type of guy. I mean, it doesn't depend on you know the the the, the big play, sixty-yard run to be successful in the NFL. Well, maybe we know why the odds have shifted here for Paris Johnson. Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network is reporting that Kyler Murray likes Johnson a lot and has told the decision makers in Arizona as much that he likes him a lot. So that's do this. 
do the decision makers in Arizona now care what Kyler Murray thinks? Well, it is a new regime. Yes, it is. They're not the ones that paid him through 2027, but they're the ones that are stuck with him through 2027. Will, of course, if you want, you can always join the program in the next segment, 602-260-1060, and we'll entertain some NFL draft further discussion. But I want to go on to the Diamond for the Arizona Diamondbacks, losing to the Royals yesterday. 5-4. to Ryan Nelson got the start. He made it through five innings, gave up 11 hits, four runs, three strikeouts. I did, I I know we talked briefly about this off air, and uh, it's not a favorite metric of yours, but uh, it was making the rounds that Corbin Carroll had hit a triple and uh, made it to third base in less than 11 seconds. Okay, to say I don't, uh, you know, to, to put kindly, there's, there's the metric that drives me most crazy is this speed rating or whatever the hell they call it. Yeah, you know, apparently Mookie Betts is like, you know, not any, he's not fast anymore. I watch him every night go from first to third, second to home, make plays in right center field, make plays down the right field line, and the last I noticed in watching baseball that you know. Some speed is required to do all of those things, if not the number one thing to do all those things. So we'll see. By the way, Aaron Judge is still in the game. He walked and just scored on a double from first base. All right. I guess he's fine. After I saw the video of it, uh, it looked quite awkward as he was attempting to dive in headfirst to third as he was attempting to steal it. Uh, In addition to that, there was no sliding. He just got stuck. Yeah, it was a stupid play. I mean, uh, once again, uh, that's another thing that's uh, my two pet peeves probably. We talked about the metrics, the speed rating thing. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Uh, And I don't know how they really judge that. I think they judge it inaccurately. Uh, Just with my bets example, the other thing that drives me crazy and has forever has nothing to do with metrics. Why the hell do you ever dive headfirst into a base? Getting back to the Diamondbacks here. Hopefully no diving headfirst into bases this afternoon. 12.40 p.m. start. Bally Sports Arizona. Ryan Yarborough for the uh, Royals. He's 0-2, 7.62 ERA, five strikeouts versus Zach Gallen, who's 3-1, 2.59 ERA and 39 strikeouts. And Zach Gallen looking to extend his uh, scoreless streak. Yes, uh, also uh, three straight starts without giving up a run, 29 strikeouts and one walk uh, during that phase. The Diamondbacks, uh, they haven't had any problems getting guys on base here of late, but uh, getting them in has been a massive problem. Uh, Last night, horrendous with runners in scoring position. They ended up leaving nine runners on base total in that game. Uh, That was just a... Last night, I think, was the worst game the Diamondbacks have played this season between the you know, another really bad starting performance from Ryan Nelson, who incredibly, I guess to his credit, uh, and partly because I think Torrey Lavello was trying to save his pitching staff some, uh, but I don't know how Nelson made it through four innings, or five innings, excuse me. He only gave up four runs, gave up 11 hits, had some extremely hard hit balls. He got hit hard. And uh, the fact that uh, they weren't further behind at that point was pretty amazing. This starting rotation is, uh, other than Gallon, been not good. And uh, they, uh, they need a good performance for him today for a variety of reasons. Maybe most importantly is they're going to Colorado 
and they suck, but they're going to Colorado, and they have to pitch in that ballpark for three days. And good pitching staffs have had their entire you know, plan ruined uh, by playing. You know, I'm just not talking about for three games, but their, their plan for days beyond Colorado ruined because you just get trashed in Colorado and you have to use every pitcher that you've ever had. You probably have to bring up minor leaguers at some point. Which the Diamondbacks might do on, uh, you know, Brent, uh, you know, Mr. Fott may make his debut this weekend, depending on who you believe. Uh, I don't know if I'd particularly want a pitcher making his major league debut in Colorado, but uh, that might happen this weekend because they kind of maybe don't have another choice. When it comes to your Rays, they lost yesterday to the Astros five to nothing, but they have a chance to win the series. First home loss ah. of the season. Yeah. They have a chance to win the series, though. Still an opportunity. Uh, 3.30 p.m. today, Hunter Brown is going for the Astros. He's 2-0, 3.09 ERA, 24 strikeouts against Calvin uh, Faucher, who's 0-0, 5.91 ERA, and nine strikeouts for the Rays. Yeah, I don't even know who he is. Um, yeah, they just, uh, unfortunately for them, they've got uh, – uh, they've got some starting pitching injuries now, and multiple injuries. Uh, a couple of guys on the injured list. Glass now is not going to be back until the, you know, they think, hopefully, the first part of May. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, the Rays have been unbelievable offensively. I'm not sure if they – I don't think they hit a home run last night. I don't even know what the score was. I wasn't paying that much attention, quite frankly, with all the NBA stuff going on and the Diamondbacks. But, uh, you know, they'd hit a home run in every game this season, I know, heading into the last night, and they hadn't lost a home game this year. 14-0, uh, and zero, the best uh, start of a home season in the modern era of Major League Baseball. Even though I've never quite 100% been, you know, you know, there seems to be differing opinions of what the, quote, modern era is, but we'll see. By the way, the Yankees are now up 9-1 to one in that game against Minnesota. Well, are we calling the modern era, what were they, the St. Louis Maroons or whatever that they were trying to? Well, yeah. Uh... yeah, I have no idea. I've heard the yeah, 1900s. I've heard, you know, this is just, maybe I don't think there's ever been a clear cut for sure definition of the modern era. I'm sure, you know, the Hall, either the Hall of Fame or some metrics genius uh, or non-metrics geniuses got all that figured out. Uh, the other game that I wanted to point out to you for today, 4.20 p.m., Marlins and the Braves. Marlins, Sandy Alcantara. Uh, he's 1-2, though, 5.47 ERA, 20 strikeouts on the season. Braves are sending up Bryce Elder. He's 2-0 with a 1.14 ERA and 23 strikeouts on the season. This is a really important day for the Marlins. You know, Alcantara, they scratched him from his scheduled start on Saturday and moved him back, and obviously they must feel pretty good about that. He's had some not-so-good starts uh, here of late, and uh, you know, one of those was against the Phillies, who inexplicably, well, maybe not inexplicably because the Phillies have a nice lineup, but even when they won the Cy Young Award last year, the Phillies beat him up a few times, and they really beat him up. I believe it was nine runs that he allowed to the Phillies earlier this season in the one start. Uh, so it's... Uh, We'll see what happens, but uh, I, I, they must feel pretty good about his health situation or they wouldn't be throwing him out there you know, less than a week after they scratched him from the previous start. Aaron Rodgers, he's meeting the media right now in New York as he oh, is God. officially a Jet. What a match. New York media and Aaron Rodgers. So far, he seems happy. 
He's well, engaged in the conference process. We'll see how long you know, that lasts, right? Well, I actually... You know, I don't, oh, there's a laugh and a show. smile. Oh, wow. He's a happy man. Uh, you know, I've never watched the McAfee thing, but he's actually, you know, he's, I think he's pretty intriguing to watch in post-game press conferences, at least. And, and, and for that matter, pre-game, you know, the, the weekly, you know, like the Wednesday press conference or whatever with the Packers beat writers over the years. He's a pretty interesting dude. I, I don't think he blows off the media. I think he's thoughtful. I don't necessarily agree with him a lot, but he's thoughtful. We'll get into NBA games. There's four of them on the docket tonight. We'll talk about those on the other side of the break. Your calls if you'd like to join as well, 602-260-1060. Your morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. Eleven twenty-four, right here on KDOS AM ten sixty. It's the extra point. Follow along with us online at KDOS ten sixty.com and with the KDOS ten sixty app, powered by SuperBook Sports. Right now, SuperBook Sports putting up a one hundred dollar gift certificate to you. All you have to do is download the KDOS ten sixty app, register, and follow along with the instructions to become eligible to potentially be a winner of the $100 gift certificate. In addition to that, there's plenty of other prizes up on the app as well. So follow along with the opportunity to uh, take home some pretty cool prizes. When it comes to the NBA playoffs, four games slated for today. Let's get things started here with the Knicks and the Cavs. Knicks plus five and a half, Cavs minus five and a half. This game gets started at 4 p.m. local time. The Knicks do lead the series three to one. I think it's fair to say that the Cavs need much better production from Donovan Mitchell. He was not good in game four. Yeah, actually, he hasn't been good in a couple of these games. Uh, he was really not good in game four. And, you know, Garland uh, has been kind of up and down in this series. To me, uh, I'm really, maybe I shouldn't be, but the fact that the Knicks have just dominated the glass in this series and, uh, you know, Mobley and Allen, to me, have been big disappointments. And uh, But then I'm, you know, I don't watch a ton of the Cavs, quite frankly, during the regular season. And I've heard a little analysis on NBA TV that maybe we shouldn't be that surprised that those guys, those they may be those guys have length, but they need to get tougher. And they've been completely manhandled at times in this series, whether it be Robinson or Hartenstein, who's come off the bench and done a really nice job for the Knicks. Uh, and then you also have the Knicks uh, doing all of this without the production of Julius Randle. Uh, Jalen Brunson, though, he continues to be good, averaging 24.3 points per game, five assists and 4.3 rebounds. Uh, I, obviously, we saw Jalen Brunson and what he could do in Dallas. I kind of thought it was a product of more of what Dallas was doing and not necessarily Jalen. I'm wrong. Jalen Brunson's really good. Well, I think I was right about him all along. I mean, I was mad the Suns didn't pick him uh, when they had a couple of opportunities in the draft after uh, Brunson came out of Villanova, and uh, you know, was uh, you know, I you know, certainly impressed by his performance against the Suns in the playoffs and beyond the Suns last year too, even the next round. And I don't think anybody was terribly surprised that he got big money. Uh, and then after, you know, obviously, his father is part of the Knicks organization now. He ended up with the Knicks. Nobody was surprised about that. He's been really good. 
um, you know, they've been the better team. And I'm not surprised about Randall also, who maybe I'm being really unfair about this because obviously he was injured and missed several games before the postseason started. But he has a not a good playoff history in his career. The Lakers and the Grizzlies, a 4.30 p.m. start. Lakers plus four, Grizzlies minus four. Numbers coming from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Lakers do lead this series three to one. Game four had dramatics. Overtime, LeBron James, Dylan Brooks. The situation continues. Apparently now Dylan Brooks has deleted every single post he has ever had on Instagram. Uh, So certainly not talking to the media. And now all of this fun stuff, we'll see how it carries out onto the court. But my question here, uh, will the Monday overtime game, the travel, now having to play on Wednesday, hurt the Lakers because they have a little more age to them. Yeah, I don't really care about the travel and the age and all that crap in this game. I just think the Memphis Grizzlies, they're really good at home. They have one of the biggest home court advantages in the NBA. I would be really surprised if they lost this game tonight. Uh, even more to the point where I'm guessing I'm going to have some kind of investment in this game as uh, I'm just as soon as I can find the best number, which I don't think is out there right now. Uh, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm too late to the party as far as that goes. I think for the Lakers, uh, Anthony Davis has been a little head-scratching here. Uh, 12 points, 4 of 13, 11 rebounds, not taking advantage of his uh, size and the opportunity they have with some of the key players out for the Grizzlies. And a lot of those 12 points came in the fourth quarter from the foul line and a couple of easy dunks. He he certainly wasn't contributing through the first three quarters of that game. So you need more, I think, from Anthony Davis if you're a Laker fan. I think his whole career has been head-scratching. I mean, uh, what you're getting from game to game is um, sometimes and maybe oftentimes unpredictable. Uh, Also, I know there's some speculation out here that he's not out there that he's not 100% in this series and has not been 100% at any point in this series. But, uh, yeah, he should physically dominate this series. And uh, with the exception of a couple of pockets of games, he hasn't. How are we here? Heat and Bucks, 6.30 p.m. with the Heat leading this series 3-1. to one. Heat plus 11.5, Bucks minus 11.5. And, and, well, I guess we're here because Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Buckets. He's unreal, 56 points. I mean, when you look at the injuries that took place to this Heat team, there was really only one person who could go off, and that's Jimmy Butler, and the Bucks weren't able to corral him. Giannis comes back. Uh, he had 26 points, but that wasn't enough to stop uh, Jimmy Butler's explosion, but now here uh, this is a, a must situation for the Bucks. Uh, absolutely. Uh, that is the definition of must win uh, for sure. Uh, as far as Butler goes, and yeah, I know that uh, the, the local hype machine is that Devin Booker has been the MVP of the first round of the playoffs. Apparently those people haven't watched any part of the Milwaukee and uh, in, uh, in Miami series thus far, yeah, one guy who is almost single-handedly eliminating a number one seed in the uh, NBA playoffs in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, we'll also say there's no question that Giannis is not 100%. You know, he had some nice numbers the other night, but he had to take a couple of extended breaks, which we understand. And the thing that was, I think, most disturbing about the Bucks in the last game is that Middleton was really hobbling around by the end of the game. Remember, I think lost kind of kind of lost in the first part of the series is that you know, he had a minutes restriction basically the entire season. Middleton did coming off of last year's injury, and they made a really big deal 
unfortunately, literally minutes on the on the clock, uh, on a real clock, before Giannis got hurt in game one, but they made a big deal before the series started that for the first time this year, Middleton's not on an in, uh, a minutes restriction, and he barely made it through that game physically the other night. So with, obviously, the Giannis situation, I know he returned. You pointed out that definitely not 100%. Middleton in his situation, uh, does these injuries piling up for the Bucks, quote-unquote, excuse what's happening with Jimmy Butler in the heat, or should there be some criticism for uh, the Bucks and Mike Budenholzer? Well, there definitely should be criticism. The, I don't know how you can go on a 13 nothing run in the fourth quarter of a playoff game and never call a timeout. Uh, and that's what happened uh, in the last game for Milwaukee. That's just inexcusable. The Warriors and the Kings, they will close things out for the NBA playoffs tonight, 7 o'clock. De'Aaron Fox, this stinks, fractured index finger on his shooting hand. He does say he's playing tonight. We'll see how effective he is or if he is suiting up. Uh, The series is all tied up 2-2, and uh, the questions here are, Obviously, De'Aaron Fox's health, as well as is this road thing a thing for the Warriors? Yeah, well, I think it's impossible to really make much of a you know, guess of what's going to happen in this game. You know, all the uh, you know geniuses rushing to judgment, the NBA insiders all declared Fox out and doubtful for this game. On Monday, they said that. And then yesterday, he made a big deal. Apparently, he got you know some of the media together and said, I'm playing. So I have no idea if he's going to be effective. I'm almost, I'm almost, uh, excuse me, also not really sure when he got hurt uh, because you know he got he made some big shots down the stretch in that game the other day, and then suddenly he's injured. I'm not disputing the injury, but when did he actually get hurt? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, well, you know what? I do remember. Was it the fourth quarter or the third quarter? There were times when they showed him kind of holding his finger, but at no point did anyone commentating really mention it. Uh, they just kind of showed showed him holding his finger and then moved along. And as you said, he kept putting up points. So maybe they just kind of thought, oh, jammed it a little bit and, and nothing majorly serious. Yeah, in the last possession of the game, I know there's some people that thought, well, he just couldn't physically do it. I think that's garbage. I think the the Warriors actually finally figured out, we got to get the ball out of this dude's hands and make somebody else beat us. And Harrison Barnes missed the shot, and they didn't win the game. Yeah, that was the correct play to to pass the ball there in that situation. It was an open look for Barnes. Whether Um, he's hurt or not. Yeah. But you know, some people seem to you know, j- you know just assume that well, he physically couldn't take a shot. Then uh, that was just good defense for a change. Uh, just some numbers here uh, and how different things have been home versus road. The Kings have shot 61 foul attempts at home versus 41 foul attempts on the road. The Kings have managed to turn the Warriors over 35 times at home, only 22 times on the road. So this home versus road thing, once again, for both teams playing a factor. Will Sabonis get going? Uh, he hasn't been offensively dominant. They've done, the Warriors have done a nice job on him, and especially if De'Aaron Fox isn't uh, the De'Aaron Fox we've come to know this season, you're going to have to get some offense somewhere else. Sabonis doesn't have a good postseason history either, by the way. You know, I, you know, I used to just think it was the Pacers. That was a Pacers problem. 
but uh, I pointed out before this series started that he did not have a good postseason history. And he's not played nearly as well in this postseason as he certainly did during the regular season. I think Kevon Looney's had a lot to do with that. He's a really good player, of which I've said many times in the last two or three years. And uh, he's an excellent defender. He has length. He's a rebounding machine. And he's perfect for the Warriors because he does, they don't have to run plays for him. Uh, the Warriors, 7 p.m., minus one and a half. Kings, plus one and a half. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Four games in the NBA playoffs tonight. On the other side of the break, we'll get into poll questions. We'll go back to the hardwood with the Suns and the Clippers. We'll also go to the NFL draft with the Cardinals discussion. So if you haven't yet cashed your vote, you can still do so. KDOS1060.com as well as on Twitter at KDOSAM1060. We'll answer those questions next he of course is bob kemp i'm kayla mortellaro it is the extra point follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos1060 app powered by superbook sports Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you as we turn our attention to poll questions and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question involving the Phoenix Suns. Were you impressed with the Suns five game series win over the shorthanded Clippers? Yes or no? Uh, I'm going to go both on this. <laughs> I'll explain myself. First up, you know, as you pointed out earlier in the week, and I you know, think it's a really excellent point and not even an arguable point, uh, really at no point in any of these games did the Suns play well from start to finish. In the, you know, they obviously won four, the last four games and won the series in five, but from start to finish, nope, didn't happen. Usually when you win a series, when you win the best of seven series, at some point – you kind of have a, like a really good game from start to finish. Well, they didn't. Uh, so there's that part. Uh, the, the other thing is, though, I do think that Monty Williams, at least in this series, did exactly what he had to do. Is you know, I don't care about playing the starters 700 minutes per game. Uh, your bench sucks. And you just need to get this series over with and not waste extra games in the series. And now they have three days off before they play the Nuggets in game one. So I as well am also saying yes and no, but I guess for different reasons here. I'm saying yes because I was impressed with Devin Booker. Game two, 38 points, 14 of 22, 45 minutes, and that was another situation where it was like this thing could get turned in the wrong direction, and Devin Booker said, I'm going to be the guy. That's not happening. Game three, 45 points, 18 of 29, 45 minutes as well. We're also seeing him really shoulder a big load of bringing the ball up a, a lot and being the initiator with the offense. Game four, uh, I guess I'm going to use the term cooled off. 
off to 30 points. 10 of 21, 41 minutes. And then, of course, game five yesterday, 47 points, 19 of 27, 42 minutes in the third quarter, which uh, turned things around for the Suns. His defense as well, early in the series, I thought was some of the best defense I've ever seen him play. And it's really, to me, no surprise that some of that has tapered off here as the series went on because he's logging big minutes. And as I mentioned, he's been so ball dominant. So uh, I'm not going to, I guess, harpoon him for all of that. But I'm going to say that he really impressed me for when this team needed him most. He hit the shots. He uh, certainly dictated the flow of the game in certain areas and became uh, very critical for why this team is moving on against the Clippers. Now, for the no part of things, I go back to they only played well in spurts, slow starts. Uh, I mean, you were fighting tooth and nail with a Clippers team that didn't have Paul George from the jump. Uh, You didn't have Kawhi Leonard after game two. And so, again, I go back to the question that I had to start the show is, Am I being too critical for the Suns here? And is should I be giving more credit to the Clippers? And I keep kind of coming back to feeling like I should be a little bit critical here that uh, with these types of scorers, I think what we saw in the third quarter is maybe what we were expecting more often than not. And we really only saw what the potential could be in spurts. So I think you're going to have to to certainly uh, shore things up a little bit here. And uh, if, if you want to move beyond this first round series. I agree with all that, except for maybe the end of it a little bit. I don't think that uh, you know, if people, you know, I, a week ago, if this, I would have picked the Nuggets to win this series a week ago, but I was just not impressed the way that the Nuggets, uh, you know, closed out the series, so to speak, uh, against the Timberwolves, and uh, you know, I guess it's a, a kind of a feather in their cap that they almost rallied from 12 down with a minute and 10 to go and won that game on uh, the overtime loss on Sunday night. But, you know, the fact that they were that far, but they should have never been in that game. The, the, the Wolves did some of the dumbest things in the history of basketball, IQ-wise, to make that game. You know, if Jokic makes a free throw, that game they win that game at, at regulation and sweep. And... Uh, yeah, while I do think that the Nuggets, and I'll get into this more later than the week or certainly next week uh, once the series is kind of underway, the, their bench is much better than it has been in re- recent years for them. And certainly their bench is better than the Suns bench. So we'll see how this goes on. But, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, kind of where I stand right now. And uh, moving forward, you know, right now, I, I'm actually very surprised basically where I stood a week ago or even you know, three games ago. I would have assumed that I would have had money on the Nuggets in this series, quite frankly. Now I think there's zero chance that's happening. Uh, just from an odds perspective, the Suns currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook app are minus 146 to win the series, the Nuggets plus 124. And this has certainly been bet from this morning when it was uh, closer to minus 120 for the Suns and the Nuggets plus 108. So some money coming in there on the Suns. And then as you pointed out as well, uh, maybe how the odds were originally set set in general based upon maybe some futures money that was already on the Suns. Absolutely. Absolutely. They got tons of future money in the Suns. A major liability for a lot of sports books around the world if the Suns win the championship or maybe even make it to the finals if you have Western Conference odds available, etc. 
I don't understand why this moved this morning, however. That's the one thing I'm somewhat confused about. Uh, back to the question here. The masses, though, they were impressed. 56% of the vote, no sitting at 44%. That's the KDOS1060.com poll question. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, uh, we had a conversation with Howard Balzer, gophnx.com, chatting the NFL draft and the Arizona Cardinals. If you missed it, podcast it, KDOS1060.com, as well as with the app KDOS 1060, uh, powered by Superbook Sports. But when it comes to the question here, when should running back be addressed by the Cardinals in the draft? Options, first round, second day, or third day. So as it is right now, uh, you have two picks on day two and four picks on day three, and that's if no trades are made. Uh, so I would say with that in mind and the the plethora of areas in which the Cardinals need to address to look to something uh, in day three. If you are able to move some picks and garner some more picks for day two, then I'd be fine with taking something uh, late day two, early day three. I'm pretty much on the other side here. Um, you know, unless Will Anderson's available uh, and if Houston does not take Will Anderson, I would have no no problem whatsoever if the Cardinals traded down to get B. John Robinson in the first round. I think you can make a pretty good case that he is one of the at worst, uh, one of the top three players in this draft. I know the running back position scares a lot of people off, but I think they desperately needed help at running back. They've got Connor, who's oft injured, Ingram, Clement. And Tyson Williams, those are the running backs currently on the Cardinals roster. So there's the case for the first round. You know, the second day, I think the, the running back pool just drops immensely after the first two or three guys. So you know, that's why I wouldn't have a problem at all if it's, you know, if Anderson, if they're going to pick anybody at three and keep that pick, I would be in favor of the Anderson thing. But the Cardinals are at the point now, I don't even you – know, they've got so many positional needs that it's just – every round I think it's just the best player available and who could help them. Who's, who's going to make, make the most impact? And I think uh, after the Will Anderson thing, when you get to – I think Robinson's second on my list as far as the Cardinals are concerned because they're, even whether you like it or not, they're not going to go out and get a quarterback. Uh, no, they're definitely not doing that. Um, the masses, they are in a 50-50 tie between second day and third day and no love for first round at 0% of the vote. I do want to get to one person that tweeted in here. Uh, the responsible thing seems to be the Cardinals improving their ability to control the line of scrimmage before investing in a running back. But to be honest, they need talent wherever they can get it. So if it's Bijan Robinson after dropping down, that seems fine. It's kind of in conjunction with your answer there. Well, I'll even get a little more in Robinson. He doesn't have to be in the running back position. He's a tremendous receiver. He played some slot. He after, he actually lined up at wide receiver sometime, sometimes at Texas. He's an outstanding pass blocker. There's nothing this dude can't do. He's a tremendous football player. Well... Round number one of the NFL draft gets started tomorrow, 5 p.m. Cardinals have the third overall pick. It really does seem like the draft starts at two. I know that there was like that run of Will Levis has moved to the number one odds now. 
for the Panthers, but it seems like everything gets started at number two. What are the Texans going to do? Is it going to be a run on quarterbacks? And therefore, after that, we figure out what the Cardinals are going to be able to do, if they're going to be able to trade out or if they have to stick there at number three. I think we kind of learned yesterday when we previewed the Texans that they're not taking a quarterback. Uh, so we'll see what happens in this Will Levis thing. It could have been Kayla, myself, the man in the moon, whoever, some clown on Reddit said he's the guy. So the betting markets acted accordingly. We wrap up this Wednesday, April 26th edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. of this Wednesday, April 26th edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob, it's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sip through the cracks. Also, our guests today, plural, uh, we had some Cardinals draft and non-draft discussion with Howard Balzer from gophnx.com. And also we had a Panthers preview uh, with Mike Lissette from uh, Charlotte Sports Live and uh, the Panthers and the number one pick in the draft. Um, so we'll see uh, if they go with Bryce Young, which we think is going to happen. Sound of the day, courtesy of Bally Sports Arizona, ESPN, CBS, Altitude Sports, TNT and KDKE. It's not always we run Pittsburgh Pirates highlights, but Brian Riddle's getting a long-term contract, which probably means, you never know, but probably means he won't be traded to the Yankees, which has been rumored literally since the end of the last season and went through the entire offseason and heard even as recently as last Sunday on the MLB Network on Sirius XM that Brian Reynolds needs to get to the Yankees somehow. But uh, get some uh, new deal. Seemed to be rather friendly for the organization, quite frankly. Uh, so uh, good for him and good for them, I guess. Meanwhile, uh, as always, special thanks to Kayla and Corey and Aaron. And uh, Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. I also want to make mention of this. ASU Baseball, they topped Cal State Fullerton last night 9 to 1. There's an afternoon game to wrap up this two-game series today. Pre-game at 145 and first pitch at 2. You can catch the call with Tim Healy, KAZG, 1440 AM, as well as KDOS 1060 com slash sun devils and if you're wondering when dugout shatter is going to air there will be a special edition tonight tim healy 7 p.m right here on kdus am 1060 a couple of things have caught my attention here as we wrap things up uh the arizona cardinals howard balzer when he joined us mentioned that uh, there was voluntary mini camps uh happening today media was going to have some access and what is currently being reported is that uh, probably to no surprise no deandre 
DeAndre Hopkins, no surprise, no Buda Baker, and uh, also no Isaiah Simmons present. The Cardinals have yet to pick up his fifth-year option. I think there's still a few more days left that if they were going to, they could still do that. Yeah, I'm not sure what the calendar on that is, uh, but it's kind of uh, nonsensical, in my opinion, that Isaiah Simmons, after he's underperformed as a Cardinal thus far, is now, I guess, in some kind of protest. And then a couple of things caught my attention from Aaron Rodgers meeting the media and uh, being introduced as a New York Jet. One, he is going to wear his former Cal number, number eight, uh, and he is quoted as saying to me, uh, number 12 is Broadway Joe, so that's cool for him and for the organization and Joe Namath to keep his uh, number 12. He is apparently also going to practice tomorrow, but then this is one of the more head-scratching comments that was made. So when asked why he didn't communicate with the Green Bay Packers, he said that he didn't have cell service in his home and that if they wanted to talk to him, he sh- they should have FaceTimed him. Okay, I guess uh, I have no idea how to react to that. But, uh, you know, there's no reason for him to have to comment on anything about the Packers anymore. So maybe that was part of the deal. Uh, The Kings and the Warriors game four. It was the most watched first round NBA playoff game in 21 years. The Sunday contest averaged 7.52 million viewers and peaked at 10.4 million. Game five is tonight. One other thing, Al McCoy turns 90 years old today, so happy birthday to Al McCoy. Okay. As always, appreciate you listening to the program right here on KDOS AM 1060. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. We will be back with you tomorrow. NFL Draft round number one gets started. We'll dive into uh, plenty of sports topics tomorrow. Talk to you then.